0: (laughs) welcome everybody to talking elite
1: and tonight we are talking everything spooky we're be talking about our favorite Halloween-themed wrestlers, our favorite spooky villains, our favorite cult leaders, and Mark. Um, I think Mark <laughs> wants to play a game. <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it all about uh, the game? or it's on how you play it. <laughs> oh, and... <laughs>
0: there you go. Thomas. Yeah, it's how you play it.
1: So, <clears throat> so thank you guys so much for coming uh-huh. out to Talk Elite. Um for those of you guys that are listening on Spotify, uh, Mark had on a saw mask. And <laughs> great way to start the show, my friend. Uh-huh. Thanks for uh, being part of it. Um, so let me introduce you to our panel tonight. Uh, we are joined by the new face of the All Elite Zone podcast. He is the wild man himself. He is the Major Mark. Mark.
0: There we go. <laughs> Thanks for that introduction. That was
1: awesome. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Mark. It's I'm glad to have you back, man. Uh, this is your second talking elite. So it's good to have you, man. And you know, it's been fun the last few episodes on the um, watch alongs, and you've really grown. So I'm excited to see some of your ideas and your talking points tonight.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm ready to go, man. This is uh this, this is a seems like a pretty fun one. Uh, to get into this because we kind of talked about it yesterday and I was like, yeah, we could do a show about, you know, get into these type of characters. Let's do it. Like, mm-hmm. uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah. So if you guys uh, weren't watching the watch long last night, we did – go through our some we did do like a quick little round of our favorite spooky wrestlers and tonight we will for sure go in more detail uh next we have everybody's favorite bearded wonder he is the bubba to my Devon. he is the triple h to my Shawn michaels he is everybody's favorite smiley man he is known for a very special catchphrase at the end of the night please welcome everybody's favorite bearded wonder adam
2: Hello. Thank you. Yes. Excited. Uh, as you can see, I have my Undertaker background, probably the creepiest, uh, one of the most original creepiest characters in professional wrestling. But I'm excited to talk about it. It's Halloween's my favorite season, so I'm, I'm excited.
1: Me too, man. Halloween's just, it's a very special time, especially for like wrestling promotions. I love when they do Halloween themed matches, costumes. It really makes it for fun TV.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. So I mean
1: the theming is just great, and I'm just I'm excited to talk about all the characters tonight. Me too, man. Next we have everybody's favorite podcast producer. He is the biggest CM Punk fan on the face of the earth. He is the ringleader of our circus. He is everybody's favorite, favorite, favorite person named Connor. Connor!
3: It's uh, great to be on. Uh, last night was really, really fun. Uh, some of the stuff we did. Uh, if you guys haven't, go back and check that out. Uh, it was really, really fun, and uh, this should be really, really fun as well. Uh, there's one person in particular when you talk about spooky wrestlers that I'm going to talk about. Uh, but we'll get into that. <laughs> oh, dude, like, it's going to be a
1: great time. Thanks, Connor, for coming on. Um, Watch Along last night was Fantastic. It was probably one of the best watch longs I think we've done the, this year. And it's a really good listen and a good laugh. Um, so go back and listen to that. Because um, Mr. Jacobs admits that he loves Hulk Hogan last night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, just kidding. That is the worst joke I will say all night. So uh, thank you guys so much for coming out. Uh, for those of you guys watching live, uh, thank you, Mike. Uh, he says hello to the, the panel. Uh, thank you so much yeah, Mike. For, for always watching. And then Roy, Roy is excited. He says "A awesome, let's go! I think that's how you let's let's go, right? say it. So, let's, go. Think, let's go. So, let's go. Yeah. So thank you guys uh, for coming out. Of course, my name is Lane. I am the fireman. I am the person that puts out the fires on the podcast. And I am the Texas nightmare and the biggest Darby Allen fan on the show. Yeah, so.
2: I, I have nothing against Darby at all. So, yeah, um, I like Darby. So, but you may like him the most. Who knows?
1: <laughs> oh, dude, like, yeah. We'll we'll talk more about Darby later, and especially uh, <clears throat> his uh, tag team partner, because um, Sting. Last night, uh, let's talk briefly before we kind of get into our some of our favorite spooky wrestlers. Let's talk about the man of the hour. Best way to start the show off. Uh, let's talk on Sting. Uh, Sting, fortunately, last night made his announcement that he'll be retiring uh, next year at Revolution. Um, very emotional um, speech that he gave last night. It was a very empowering, like, this is going to be my last match. But it wasn't like, don't be sad for me. Let's finish the journey strong. Um, for those of you guys that haven't watched, Sting had a really great promo last night. And it, I think it touched all of us on the show last night. Um, what's your guys' thoughts on <clears throat> Sting officially retiring this year, actually going out on his terms? Um,
2: I guess I'll start because I think I'm the I'm the one here that's actually been watching Sting probably the longest in his career because um, I used to watch the Monday Night Wars growing up, um, so I, I kind of grew up with Sting um, in his career pretty much um, in WCW. Uh, I think it's been a great journey. Uh, he mentioned it in his promo last night about you know his the Ric Flair Steiners, um, you know all the journeys he's done with everybody. Dusty, uh, he mentioned Dusty Rhodes in that promo. Um, I, I think he's had a great career um, for being was he 62, 63, somewhere in there. Um, you know for for being as far as he's come along. I've, I remember a lot of his matches in WCW. Uh, I, I remember the 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 forming of the Wolfpack, Uh, you know, I remember some of his TNA stuff, you know, and uh, so I feel like, I feel like with his journey, I mean, heck, he made it to WWE, you know, was it a great career in WWE? Not really. I don't think it was great. Um, I think he's doing some of his best stuff now. And even his TNA days, I think were some of his best work. Um, So it it is emotional, you know, to the fans of Sting, but I think it's the right time. You know, and now it's him, he can take a step back and actually kind of mentor people and not have to step in the ring and put more wear and tear on his body. You know, he can he can take kind of producer role or uh, someone that, like, someone can work with, like a Darby Allen, uh like a Nick Wayne, like an uh, Action Andretti, like work with the young guys. Um, so am I going to miss some of this thing stuff? I am, um, but I'm glad he's taking this step and actually be like, I'm done, you know, done wrestling, so...
1: Just to look at the impact that Sting has, that um, has you know given he's the impact of almost every wrestling promotion that he's been in. You know, even WWE that, that that split time dude like it was a very exciting to be a WWE fan. Of course, his legendary career in TNA uh, doing the Joker Sting, um, but let's talk real quick since we're you know since we're talking spooky wrestlers. <clears throat> so, what do you guys think of like Sting's transition from Surfer Boy? To the crow what was your like what was your guys thoughts when that happened or what what was your thoughts seeing that transition almost to that new character more aggression the baseball bat literally taking on the whole nwo by himself
0: for me uh i i think that was like a you know it was a great reinvention for sting because i that's kind of the point where i started watching wrestling was uh seeing that flat top you know sting blonde hair um you know and his little you know stinger uh, makeup that he had but when he turned into like that crow thing and when he was just up there in the rafters like I just think that that was the, one of the coolest reinventions of a character uh, because he seemed way more dominant and scarier like you did not want to mess with this guy and you didn't get that with you know with blonde sting with blonde flat top sting you know though he was great but that that character going into that that transformation was just, it, it, it glued my eyes to the TV. Like, I was just interested to see, you know, I just wanted to see that camera up there and that spotlight on staying up in the rafters. And then there he is with his bat and, you know, his big black coat. I mean, it was just, it was some iconic stuff. I, I, I like, that did so much for wrestling and especially the, the fact that you brought it up that, you know, that he took on basically the whole NWO when MWO was just wiping out, you know, the entire roster in WCW. And then there was one guy, you know, stood up and then, of course, you know, there's that iconic, you know, uh, those things where he was pretending to be uh, Sting, you know, and he had the Sting mask and then he takes it off and it's Sting and, you know, there's that, there's that meme of it and stuff. And, uh, you know, I I just really like that, that transformation of his character for sure.
1: That Sting spot still gets me to this day, especially (laughs) since he's even done it in AEW. Man, WWE sure missed out on probably one of the funnest wrestling spots of all time.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Connor. You know, I, okay. you know. Man, no, happy. I was going to say, yeah, I agree. Um, Connor, so what have your thoughts been with Sting and AEW? Like, have you enjoyed his run? Do you think this was like the perfect swan song for him?
3: Yeah, I think uh, I liked how he's going to retire now. I wouldn't have been satisfied with the way things were left he didn't come back, uh, his last match, his, his last match was against Seth Rollins. It was a really good match, but that couldn't have been it. And the final, his final match should be against the undertaker, but I don't think we'll ever, ever get that match, which they had the opportunity, but they went in a different route. I don't know why. That's was probably the most, most missed opportunity in wrestling history. not doing the undertaker and staying wrestling 31, but, uh, in AEW, he's been really, really good. Uh, at first, uh, I think he was supposed to—he was supposed to go against Cody Rhodes. Uh, Sting mentioned that uh, he was supposed to go against Cody Rhodes, do some stuff with Cody, because he because he debuted around like a, a Cody Rhodes angle with uh, Team Taz and all that. But that never happened. But he's had a lot of good matches in AEW. Uh, one of my favorites, and probably will always be my favorite Sting match in AEW. Uh, and probably the most iconic entrance in AEW, uh, Sting, Darby, and CM Punk versus I believe it was FTR and MJF. I've got the shirt to that, yeah. I've got the poster. Uh, Sting's had a lot of good moments. I'm glad he's able to finish his career in AEW. Like kind of like he said that he didn't he didn't didn't sit right in his career that way. Uh I'm glad he's getting to go out like a legend that he is.
1: And not just being put over by WWE, or not just being buried by WWE talent.
0: And yeah, and in AEW, no, he, ahead,
3: ahead. Won, he only won one match in WWE. It was a tag match. He teamed That's up with John Cena to go against uh, Rollins and Big Show. That's
0: sad. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think I think in AEW. I mean, his his no sells right were like the coolest thing, you know, for somebody, you know, his age. Yeah, and you know, uh, when Daddy Magic and and Coyle when they slammed him on the table. And he just gets yeah. up, right? Or the other one too, where uh, Scorpio Sky, uh, I think he body slammed him or something on the on the ramp um, at Daily Space, and then he gets up and he's just standing behind Scorpio, and Scorpio's just like, "Is he really just standing behind me?" I was like, <laughs> "Man, some of his coolest." I mean, those are some cool spots. Now, like seriously, he did. I, they did. I think they did pretty good with him in AEW. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I think I, I agree. I agree on that. I think with AEW's run. Um, And I think it's very fitting that he, his first match was Revolution 2021. So it's, it's, it's fitting that his last match is Revolution 2024, you know? So um, I think it's fitting that he ends it at the same pay-per-view he had his first match at. And I, I, like I said, I enjoyed his TNA, but some of his stuff in, in AEW got to free roam on the microphone. He got to actually be some of his best, probably mic work in AEW.
1: For sure. Um, for for Adam, for you, what WCW match stands out for you? When you think Sting, what comes to mind? What match comes to mind? <clears throat>
2: mm, I'd have to think about it. It's been so long since I watched some WCW matches. Uh, he, had a, he had a really, really good match against uh, Kevin Nash. Um, I can't remember if it was a Nitro or a pay-per-view, but he had a really solid match. Um, I, this was obviously during the whole black and white Wolfpack feud of NWO, but they had a really good back and forth match. It wasn't like a quick, like five, 10 minute match with all this crazy interference. It was a solid maybe 15 minutes. Um, so, um, again, I think the transition from his surfer crow, his surfer sting to the crow sting, I think it was a genius, uh, reinvention for himself, uh, reinventing his character, um i I loved it i loved it every time i put on nitro and they they pan up to the rafters and they and they're Sting because i was a big fan of the movie the crow i love the crow um you know it's 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 a tragic story and to translate that into a pro wrestling character um i think sting did a really good job doing that and uh again it's most of his best matches in wcw was that during that Wolfpack black and white feud and um so Again, I it's very hard to remember, but I do remember that match particularly is him and Kevin Nash had a match, and it was it was actually a pretty solid match.
1: Which is crazy because Kevin Nash at the time wasn't known for putting on good matches, you know, towards that part of his career. You know, he was more known for that mouthpiece, you know, <clears throat> just causing, you know, anarchy, going against actual wrestling. So you know, I'm gonna have to go back and watch that one. Uh, for sure. Uh, I'm going to go to the comments section real quick. Uh, Mike says, because I asked in the comment section what everybody's favorite sting moment was, and Mike says his match against good old Double J himself in TNA.
2: I actually remember that match, and I, I actually remember that feud. It was probably one of the best feuds in TNA at the time between I'm the happy. years 2007 and 2010. I think that was some of the best, the, one of his best feuds in TNA.
3: So that match, that match will give you chills if you just sit there and watch that nighttime, cut all the lights out, and then it's really quiet. And then he slams the guitar over his head and he no cells. And then, like, that's the first time he really ever done it and it became a thing. Uh, I wish they would recreate it in AEW. I think they've done a few times where they've, you know, well, with Jeff Jarrett,
1: with Jeff Jarrett, yeah, with Jeff Jarrett, but um. Could Joe Jarrett be Sting's last opponent or would you want to be like a passing the torch with like Darby Allen?
3: I think I know who he's going to be teaming up with and a lot of people's not going to like it. Hmm. What's I your prediction? It, it might be uh, Sting and Goldberg teaming up. Uh, I really think that can happen. Cause, cause Goldberg's at the end of his career too. So they both retire together. Uh, Maybe they could go get Ryback. Uh, throw throw Ryback.
2: <laughs> oh no. Con- Connor, Connor, I love you, man, but stop.
1: You know, <laughs> Just
2: drop you know, Goldberg, man. Like it's. It, I don't want it, it to happen.
3: I don't either. Like that. That's why funny. are you saying it? Why I are you just, saying it? <laughs> but sometimes the things we don't want have to happen. <laughs> no. and and right, enough, as I a wrestler. Go, Go ahead. ahead. I'm going. I was gonna say,
1: like no, Chris was, Engel was, losing to uh, <laughs> to Baron Corbin.
2: Yes. Yeah. It's like it's like for me. It's like it, it, as wrestling fans, you you know, you're like, I don't want to see this, but I kind of want to see it because I it has it. to happen at some point. It's like what we're talking about with Undertaker and Sting. That ship has sailed. Uh, Lane, we talked about this on the yeah. episode. We yeah. we talked about how I think it was on the Vince episode. Um, and we talked about how that ship sailed and it was perfect time to have that match as fans. We wanted to see it. This, this idea of Goldberg coming back to wrestling, um, for a different company now in the AEW, AW, I, I think for that, I think that ship has sailed for Goldberg just because uh, I'm not saying because of his bigger size than sting, but with a bigger size body frame like that, that like you look at him walk around, he's kind of got like the stone cold neck. Where his neck's all jacked and it doesn't work, and okay. you know it's it just like it's like one bad move in the ring and Stang, and Goldberg can be like paralyzed. So I think like for that, I think as wrestling fans, we're just like Sting is one thing, like because he can still kind of do stuff, but we're glad he's retiring on his on his note and on his terms. Goldberg just is there, like pay me money, I'll show up. Like that's just my view as, as a wrestling fan.
0: Yeah. And i'll kind of bounce off that right like i i would say too that that ship has sailed because i think if tony wanted goldberg he could have got him for all in right and and, yeah. and had him for that you know and i think tony was just like no i think uh, i think i'll pass on that right because tony's just like ah, i think i'll pass on him um and then you know he ended up getting edge you know it's like i think that ship has sailed i think i think that's all in the back burner now i don't think he's coming to aew i don't think that that'll uh, that'll happen and other thing too is I don't think they want to do a, a tag team for Sting to share his spotlight uh, for that last match. That last match has if it's his last match, it has to be one on one. You yeah. gotta get you gotta give us a one on one, a good 15, 20 minute banger, you know, and and go out on that. I don't want to see him go out with somebody else like as a tag partner.
3: It, uh, it does not need to you, be the caliber of Baron Corbin like it did Kurt It Needs to be someone that. uh Maybe you could do it from his past, maybe like Jeff Jarrett or someone, or he could do it up and coming, but whoever it is, he needs to win. No we'll passing the torch, but this is Sting's last match. Ever. We'll never, ever, ever see him in the wrestling ever again. Yeah. But uh, For I sure. have faith I would that, that they'll do better than Aaron Corbin,
2: other other than seeing him do like maybe backstage work, like producing and stuff, that's yeah. the only time we'll see him involved in pro wrestling. But for anything, he no more ring stuff after twenty twenty uh, Revolution
3: twenty twenty four. Yeah, um, for sure. Well, she deserves it to take a step back.
1: Yeah, he, I think it's it, I think it's a good time for him. You know, he's given us so many great moments in AEW and <clears throat> Sting. We'll be doing a special watch along just for you that night. So we love you, brother. And we cannot wait to see your career finish strong. All right, Brrr. gentlemen. Let's go back in time a little bit. Let's go to one of the best character versions of wrestling eras. We're going to talk everything, the golden era. And we're going to talk some uh, some very interesting spooky characters that I think scared some of the kids back then. I mm-hmm. would say scare more kids than nowadays. So, the first person that comes to mind when I think somebody's scary is Papa Shango. Yeah, no, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Roy Roy beat me to it. But I think Papa Shango was, I think, one of the first really, like, kind of um, spooky gimmicks they've had. Because he came along before Undertaker did, correct? Papa Shango actually kind of
2: came out the same time as undertaker but you also have to remember before papa shango his inspiration was kamala kamala kind of gave that voodoo kind of witch doctor kind of vibe that kind of gave birth to papa shango um and i agree i think papa shango coming out with the cane and all that stuff and the the little the voodoo heads and all that stuff he was a creepy guy and um i keep forgetting the guy's real name who played he went on to play the godfather um but uh the guy who played Papa Shango did great um that's also us talk about sting where he reinvented himself from surfer sting to the crow sting it's kind of like what um Papa Shango did when the guy playing him again I forgive me I can't remember the wrestler's real name uh but he he reinvented himself after that character kind of like blurred out of it he became the Godfather um, but I think Papa Shango was such a creepy character. Um, And I think it was genius uh to kind of reinvent like the Kamala character. Um, Because I believe at that time, the guy portraying Kamala was health problems. He, his yeah. knees were getting bad. So they had to come up with a new kind of voodoo character. And I think Papa Shango kind of filled that void.
1: It was Charles Wright. That's who it was. Thank
2: you, Charles Wright. Thank you.
1: Yes. And it's crazy to see, like, Charles Wright was probably one of the best to go from character to character to character. Cause think about it. He was smoke train. And then everybody jumped on the whole train. And then Papa and Shango. Yeah. And then don't
2: forget he was on right to censor too. He was yes. the good, he went from the Godfather to the good father. <laughs>
3: Great character, mostly, you know, so and was he not with the Nation of Domination? Uh yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who his character name was but he was um yeah, because uh, there's Farouk, no. uh,
2: Mark Henry, The Rock. Um, D-Lo. I'm trying to remember who he D-Lo. I keep D-Lo. forgetting what his name was in in Nation Domination, but he was in that group too.
1: So Mr. Jacobs uh, is one of our um, one of our hosts on the show. Um, he says Papa Shango was his generation's boogeyman, and I feel like he it really- did pave the way for Boogeyman. He really was. He literally. uh,
2: I think Mr. Jacobs and I are pretty much almost that same age, where we remember Papaschango. Like we're like that was our generation's like creepy character. You know, like um, uh, Karma. Yes, Karma was his name in um, in um, Nation Domination. Yeah. Um, But yeah, no Papaschango. Like for us, like growing up, that was a creepy character. So
1: I mean, that was early '90s. We're like. Oh, that guy's scary. And then don't forget about his biggest moment, cursing the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs>
2: oh, that was that was a crazy moment. Watching that, I think it was like he he poured some he poured like some liquid on Warrior, and it scared us as kids. We're like, oh my god, he hurt the Warrior. So yeah, so that was a scary moment too.
1: For sure. Um, let's talk about um, Kamala. So Kamala. Like you said, was kind of the one like was one like you said the inspiration f- basically for Papa Shango, but I feel like K- Kamalo, I feel like he could have been so much creepier because you know he was built to be from a you know cannibalistic island, and I feel like they could have done so much with that in that time frame. They could have. Um,
2: the issue with that, and, and that's the funny part, is is up until most recently like stereotypes of people in the world um it, it, we talked about this on the Vince episode uh, about uh his, his idea for characters uh and something of a like an evil voodoo doctor um and he really could have been more I think the problem with Kamala was the guy portraying him I don't think was very spot on with timing and all that because there was the debacle that happened where uh, I can't remember what pay-per-view. might have been a SummerSlam where he slowly walks to the ring and he was supposed to be there sooner. Um, that was the one where uh, Warrior came out and saved Hogan because Hogan was getting beat up by Kamala and another guy, but Kamala was delayed on something. Um, but, yeah, I think Kamala could have been a lot bigger character. It could have been. I think if the guy portraying him was – more spot on. I think he was taken in a different way. Like how some people are like, I, c- I can't do this. Like I need to change my character. Um, you know? Um, so I-, I think it could have been, but that's why I think we got Papa Shango. Cause Charles Wright could pull that off.
1: You know, I think Charles Wright could be one of the best character wrestlers. Like that mindset. I think of that time frame. you know, I feel like he made every character, something special you know and unfortunately for kamala you know he didn't have that long of a career but it's a little fun fact for all my figure collection people out there he has the rarest hasbro with that moon (sighs) belly i think there was like four or five made or four or five that are out there right now could you imagine what those are going for right now like what their worth is Matt Cardona spent $10,000 on it. It's yeah. crazy. It's crazy. So Kamala at least had he has, you know, aside from just being a stand character, he at least has one of the rarest action figures out there. So Kamala, believe it. rest in peace, buddy. And I, uh, we hope that you're in that very big wrestling ring in the sky.
3: I actually got to meet him, kind of. Kind of on accident. Not really meaning to. So he lived in Walls, Mississippi, all the way out in the country. I went to my friend's house, and he says that Kamala lives next to I didn't, I didn't believe him. So, so I just go over there, and I ring the doorbell, and you know he had both his legs amputated uh, towards the end of his life, uh, yeah. and then uh, I guess he was not having to move, and he, I just walked away. He said custom, yeah, and everything, and eventually he comes out. Uh, I was like, "I'm sorry, man. I, I didn't think he lived there." Uh, but yeah, he uh, he was uh something <laughs> for sure.
1: <laughs> Mark, d- uh, d- do you have any favorite Papa Shango moments or?
0: No, man. I, honestly, <laughs> I I was like thinking about it, and I was like, I remember seeing him, and I think I remember seeing him against Undertaker, if I if I if I'm not mistaken. And that would be my only recollection uh, of him because. Yeah, I think uh, a little bit before my time, I think. (laughs) Just just a little bit? (laughs) Just a little bit. (laughs) All right.
1: Well, the next person we're going to talk about, actually, we're going to talk about three people here. We're going to talk about the great Paul Bearer, the Undertaker, and his brother, Cain. And these guys were, they literally had some crazy scary arcs from casking matches to buried alive matches to undertaker inventing hell in a cell. So it's crazy to think, um, when, when I think something like that has that aura about them, those three people come to mind.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, uh, I think the Undertaker was the first one that was the first character that I was ever spooked about watching wrestling. Uh, And Paul Bearer just, he gave that to him. Like Paul Bearer was, I know Undertaker would be scary, but I think Paul Bearer made him even scarier coming out with that urn and, you know, pale with the dark eyes. And it was just like, I was like believing that it was real, right? Like I was like, these dudes are like, these are like real, like that's a real like Undertaker. Like that's like a real dead man. And you know, I remember watching it as a kid, and I was just like freaked out. I, I, I was like glued. That was another one that I just, I wanted to see everything that they were doing. And, and, and with Paul Bear with his voice, when he would make that voice, it was just like, that just, that enhanced it even more, right? Because if he just talked like a regular person, it wouldn't have worked. But the way that he came up with that voice, I mean, that just, that took it over the top, right? Because Undertaker didn't really talk and, you know, Paul Bearer was doing the talking and then Paul Bearer's talking and he's talking like that. Like, it it was just, it was super creepy. It was, it was definitely, uh, it was definitely must watch TV, right? And then, um, oh man, if you, when Kane debuted, that was just – that was, like, my prime watching wrestling as a kid that I just – man, I could not get enough of that stuff. I mean, Kane coming out in that Hell in a Cell and just ripping off the gate, I was like, what the hell is this thing, you know? And then uh, I, I think it was Vince, but I think Vince was commentating, and he's like, that's got to be Kane. That, that's his brother Kane. And it was like, Why? Undertaker has a brother, like, all this time? Like, what what <laughs> is going on here? And, yeah, that, that was just – that was fun times and that was just that was great television right there and i, I think that the Undertaker. <laughs> oh man like the, the voice was creepy as hell man like that high pitch that he was going on <laughs> was super creepy but it was so fun to watch as a kid uh just being like totally spooked out right like i mean because i mean i know we have characters now that are that are spooky and stuff and i i, I have a nephew that watches uh, wrestling and he hasn't really told me one that has really spooked him out, but he's kind of a, uh, a tough nut, but, uh, but yeah, but I know as a kid that, that that undertaker, that whole thing just like freaked me out man. with undertaker and, and, and Paul bearer for sure.
1: Well, I think you bring up a very interesting point. I think kids now, I don't feel like they're going to get scared as much or me wrestling just doesn't want to scare their kids. Because we think about it lately, like the more scarier characters, maybe besides Bray Wyatt, like they haven't had that. that What's talked to the camera and actually physically scare the kids like Papa Shango, Undertaker, like you know, they, those type of wrestlers did back in the 80s and 90s.
0: Yeah,
3: there's that uh, one guy, well, only can happen on any show, but there's one person that can scare the hell out of everyone, which uh. He's the person that made this whole thing possible, I feel like. they made the spookiness in wrestling on a whole nother level.
1: Really? Um, I'm just kind of like looking at it right. You know, Undertaker had some pretty interesting moments. Adam, would you like to talk about the time that he crucified people and crucified (laughs) Stephanie? Listen,
2: it is crazy to think of that because (laughs) – in most matters, I look at it, this viewpoint, ECW did it and they got in trouble, but WWE does it in a creative way and they're good because what it is, is, is the visual of it. Um, and you know, before, before I go on to the, the whole, you know, undertaker sacrifice, crucial fictions kind of stuff. Um, I do want to give props, uh, like Mark was saying, uh, Paul bearer, um, <laughs> Uh, rest in peace to William Moody, guy who uh, portrayed Paul Bear in uh, the wrestling. Uh, man, he did something with that character that just every time he spoke, like you're just like that is the creepiest voice ever, and you believed everything. And and I love that story of Kane, Undertaker, and Paul all intertwined. That that for me is basis of the storylines you see in pro wrestling today. Um, <clears throat> basically this whole story taken from a story already in existence, which is Cain and Abel. Um, that's basically the story they told with Cain and the undertaker with Paul bearer in the middle. Um, but you know, the, the intertwined story and it carried on for, for decades, that story. I mean, it started in 97 and it still went on until both Taker and Cain stepped away from the ring. Um, it, it, it just continued because then you gotta remember they formed the brothers of destruction. So, their whole story kind of carried for for almost uh, god 25 years um so I, I do give props to to william moody for bringing that paul bearer character because like mark said that oh yeah oh, so like it just it creeped me out as a when i was younger it's like dude don't talk like that that's creepy um but yeah no i remember i was watch i ordered that pay per view uh when mm-hmm. when T- when kane debuted and I was flabbergasted. I was like, holy crap. Um, but a- as you see from my background, I think out of the most classic creepiest wrestlers in history, Undertaker is by far my favorite. Um, <clears throat> I mean, the man's had a career. Um, the man only lost twice at WrestleMania. Uh, he's had phenomenal, crazy matches going from hell in a cell to inferno matches to casket matches. um, I, I think just the reinvention of matches, I think a lot of them, you got to credit The Undertaker, or, uh, you know, as, as we know him in real life, Mark Calloway. Uh, and, and he's done phenomenal stuff. And that's another guy who's reinvented characters, um, his American badass character riding in on a motorcycle, the Kid Rock, um, which, by the way, it wasn't Kid Rock first, it was Limp Biscuit. With Rolling. Rolling? He first debuted, but I think they had a dispute with Limp Bizkit over the rights of that song, so they went to Kid <laughs> Rock because Kid Rock was a big wrestling fan. Um, so Kid Rock was like, "Yeah, go use my song." Um, but I, I mean, credit for that for Mark for reinventing, and then obviously he knew, "Hey, the Dead Man is a really popular character. Let's roll with that." And they did with 2003 when he was buried alive by Vince. He came back in 20, 2004 as the Dead Man. Um, but some of the things back in the early Attitude era, like you said, the the crucifixions, the abductions, like the Ministry of Darkness, like that was some of the best. That for me, that's the Bloodline. The Ministry of Darkness is what the Bloodline is today, which is a good faction that has layers upon layers of stories that that did its course, and you saw it slowly break and it completely dissolved until Undertaker went back to being solo or with Kane, and that's it. And you never heard about the Ministry of Darkness again. Unlike what we're hearing with the Bloodline today, where it's like it keeps going and going and going. It's like, dude, it's done. Like, mm-hmm. Ministry of Darkness, I think, only lasted like a year, like the story of it. Um, yeah. And was then, all know. a lot of, yeah, it was like a year and then it disappeared. And Undertaker was just back with Paul Bear, um, or he formed his American Badass character in 2000, uh, 2001. And so, uh, for me, the Ministry of Darkness was probably one of my favorite factions because that was the creep the, the creepy scary faction in pro wrestling was was the ministry of darkness over in wwf and so the way that mark and will and all those guys involved in it i loved it i, I loved every second of it um it was it was crazy tv you know uh his his dark marriage to steph on tv before stone cold saving them i remember mm-hmm. that I was watching. I was like, "Someone's got to stop this! Please stop this! Like this, this is not right. That girl does not deserve that." And here comes Stone Cold. Obviously, everyone's a Stone Cold Mark. I was. I was like, yes, "Whoops, some ass, you know?" So, um, so yeah, no, I, I, I believe some of those things on TV were just, they were really
1: creepy, and I loved every second okay. of it. I grew I up. I got a court. joke for y'all. Uh, before you move on to boogeyman, so. Was so an undertaker's, you know, first part of his song is it bong, gong, or dong? Okay, if it was bong, well, that should be RVD, dong, it's Valvinus, so it must be gong. (laughs) 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 That was pretty bad. I'm sorry. And you that like first that was like a joke. joke.
0: I think I think this one was the worst joke. one that, that was like so
1: bad. a dad joke. That was a dad joke. It's a, a dad wrestling joke. joke. It's a dad
2: hey. wrestling joke, and I approve of it. <laughs> I'm glad.
1: Um, Roy, um, we are just about to get to Boogeyman. So, Roy, his one of his scariest wrestlers is the Boogeyman, and I will give the man some credit because to come out with missing teeth. And have worms coming out of your and mouth, crawl, smoke. Man, I don't wonder how many worms that man
0: ate over the years. Ooh, I, I, I kind him. of just—I just got the chills just thinking about it. And
3: <laughs> I was in the wrestling. That dude freaked me out. I, like kind uh, eventually. Uh, I remember when his matches, believe it or not. Just uh, crazy. He's just he, he he is his character. Like when he plays his character, he is a, he he is the Boogeyman. That dude is crazy.
2: Do you guys yeah, Martin any- Martin Wright who played Boogeyman? He is one creep. Like I've seen videos of people at conventions meeting him and that's exactly how he is in real life with no <laughs> makeup on. He's just what creepy. Is. Really. <laughs> yeah. But he's nice.
1: Like he's probably one of the nicest people, but he's a nice creepy guy, you know. I think Stephanie has a story where she got in the elevator with Boogeyman, and Boogeyman had some worms that fell out of his pocket.
0: No. <laughs> yeah. So he just he just carries around the worms like all the time. Yeah, he's
1: carrying it. I've, you know, uh, he had like a WWE shoot that day at Titan Towers.
3: He uses a Damn. certain kind of worms. Like he he picks out certain kind of worms he uses. This is and he would legit eat them,
0: right? And, and he would a good them.
3: Yeah, he put the whole thing...
0: That dude, he swallowed it. It was sick. Because I always saw them like coming out of his mouth. I didn't know he like actually swallowed those things. Yeah. I always thought it was oh, just I, like the...
3: Oh, I witnessed all this. <laughs> the dude, he doesn't have real teeth. Well, like, do you guys know what how he became the boogeyman? Mm-mm. Much the story, because I, I, I have no sure. idea. So, he was on Tough Enough. He was one of the best. He probably would have been a really actual good wrestler. Like, a, not a really character, he would have been a really good wrestler and probably would have won some titles, but uh he lied about his age during a tough enough uh tryout. So uh a lot of the coaches were mad about that. Uh one day Al Snow uh told him to pick up something and uh Al Snow kicked him right in the face. Right right in the face and teeth fell out. So uh you know though meeting with this man and he was mad about it. so what they're gonna do Give him the ridiculous character. I mean, the stupidest character since he did that, <laughs> and the book He just ran with it, and it became something that people liked. I guess it was uh, scared the hell out of people. Yes, uh, but he, it was.
0: It was. But that was super weird, though, because like I thought his character was like really cool, but he never got like any kind of push, like whatsoever. Right? Like you, no, like, as I mean, of
3: his own words, uh, every one of his matches. Well, two of is. As per his words, he's not a wrestler. He's an entertainer. Ah, he was okay. an entertainer.
2: That's
0: right. He was. Yeah, he was.
2: I think, I, think that's, I think that's Vince kind of like reinventing like the Papa Shango Kamala thing for the newer yeah. age. Like because a, a lot of people in the two thousand, like mid 2000s, had no, they were younger and they're like, we have no idea who Papa Shango is. We don't know Kamala. So we'll just do this creepy guy called the boogeyman. And that's kind of like a reincarnation. Like I, I, when I first saw the book, I was like, what the hell is this? (laughs) Like that, I think for me, that wasn't creepy. Like, like it scared me. It was creepy. Like this is creepy. I don't want it on my TV. Like this is the dumbest character I've ever seen in pro wrestling. And that's way beyond uh current white. Um, if nobody knows but who that's, Kerwin that's White probably, is. But
0: that's probably, so, well, that's probably what WWE thought and Vince thought. So, was so, like, let's so, just put this idiot on there. And So you know, if nobody knows time.
2: who Kerwin White was, it was the Caucasian character that Chavo Guerrero played in the early 2000s on WWE. Uh, you drive around in a golf cart with golf clubs and he played like a suburban white guy. That was Chavo Guerrero's character and it was Kerwin White. Um that was but so bad. I don't um, even
0: remember that. So remember so that. so
2: boogeyman comes out. I'm like, I don't know what this is. And now he's spewing and he has a feud with JBL, who was a champion for a year, like the world champion yeah. for a year, and now he's feuding with the boogeyman. I'm like, what are they doing here? Like that's when I felt like the writing started to fumble a little bit. I was like, why are they putting a former world champion in a feud <laughs> with a crazy character like that? And even spitting worms in the Jillian Hall's mouth like that. I'm like, I'm that. No, 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 no. yeah, no, it was so great. I'm like, I yeah, don't that this was
1: character. a very dark character for, for wrestling. I, uh, I forgot Shava played a uh, stereotypical rich white man.
2: Dude. I watched it. I was like, what is this? <laughs> like, why is he playing a suburban white guy? Like <laughs> driving a golf cart? <laughs> With golf clubs, I'm like, chavo,
1: what are you doing, dude? I know All it's right. a check, but come on. Um, before we get to our next wrestler, we're um, gonna go to the comments section real quick. Uh, Jason, uh, we will get to the fiend here very shortly. Um, we're gonna save him probably towards the end, because there's a lot to talk about with Bray Wyatt. Um, this, I, you know, this is a very underrated spooky wrestler that Roy brought up, um, but DK with Crazy Steve.
3: Yeah.
1: Um it was, it was who was who was who's is it uh is it El Matador that's with uh Crazy Steve or who is who's the the bull yeah. for DK? No right? I think
2: it's, it, I think it is I think it is the Matador.
1: Yes. Um dude, did you guys know that Crazy Steve is like almost all the way blind? Yeah. It's crazy like 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 his partner literally has to like do commands on the on the ring. So I watched that in impact taping and he has to like literally do like commands on the ring to get him to do moves. It's crazy cool how they communicate. So shout out to crazy Steve and DK. Cause DK's entrance is one of the coolest. Like I love their theme song. It's so like spooky and Halloween. If you haven't got the chance, uh, go watch one of their, you know, go watch one of their entrances and just listen to that song. Cause these guys are very underrated. Uh, Mike has a question for Connor actually. Mike asked, what was it like
3: refereeing his match? Did you ever referee? Yeah. It was the one match I tried everything to get out of refereeing that match. I came up with excuse after excuse after excuse, but they came up with something to change it. I said, oh, I forgot my wrestling tights. Oh, we got some here.
0: Uh,
3: oh, I split my pants. Oh, we got some pants. I said, uh, oh, my grandmother needs me for something. She said, uh, and they said, what? Well, like, we'll do the match now so you don't have to wait so long. Everything <laughs> I tried to come up with, I had to do the match. Because seeing him backstage, the dude, like, he was dropping worms everywhere backstage. But where was that? He was dropping it everywhere. And it is it's really disgusting. Uh, if you ever have to work with him, you probably won't get out of it. Just don't show up. Just don't show up. Don't show up to a referee in and boogeyman's match. Just In let him ring. destroy
1: his opponent and go.
3: In the ring, was very, uh, you got to watch where you step. Uh, but luckily, the second match I referred to, Tim, after the first match was kind of, I didn't really try to get out of it. Second match, I, once I refer this one match, I kind of figured him out. Uh, at independent events, he throws the worms into the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> he takes a, he takes it, he has a bag, right? And he takes a bunch more and just throws it into the crowd. He, 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 like, some would drop in the ring, but it wasn't like I thought it would be, like in WWE. He would take a whole chunk and throw it at the crowd. <laughs> and then this one woman has, uh, has, like, a nachos and landed it in the
0: ring. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> oh, and, uh, nasty. And, she gets,
3: and she gets pissed and she throws it. Over, I, I don't know. And, like, the boogeyman gets out of the <laughs> ring and starts doing all his, he gets the clock and smashes it over his head. And, <laughs> Oh my god! And like he really smashes it over his head, like he—that's
0: painful. Dude, yeah, the, he dude, the poor bastard that has to clean all that crap up, man. I oh, for that person. Uh, yeah. Too.
3: Oh yeah, and then the next day, uh, not we were the people were supposed to clean it up, which they didn't. And then the next day we get there at the train, and then the building smells like garbage. Oh.
2: Well, if he threw it in the crowd, someone who was going fishing that night probably was happy. He's like, I got bait. Like this." I, is <laughs> I <was being laughs>
1: don't have to stop at the tackle shop. I got bait. I to stop anywhere. I got bait. <laughs> I just saved uh, myself five bucks. <laughs> yeah. was- uh, <laughs> says, <laughs> yeah. Yo, Glexi, I have to say, The Undertaker was the scariest wrestler in the beginning of his career.
2: He was. Uh, the moment he debuted at Survivor Series, I was like, Oh, that's scary right there. That's a scary. And at the point at that point, he was coming out with brotherly love. That's who his uh, his manager was before Paul Bearer. Yeah. So it was weird seeing brotherly love with this creepy character.
1: Very interesting you combination know. for sure. Because we, we talked about him in the Undertaker episode. And yeah, talked we've yeah. talked about that a few times. So yeah. Um, Mike does not want to touch any of Boogeyman's worms. I do not name you. He says that Mike Mike says he has met the Boogeyman and he was nice. Uh, I hear that as well. I think we were just discussing that. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, the Boogeyman was awesome. Um, But you know who we haven't talked about yet? What about me? What about Raven?
3: Oh, no.
2: Raven, Raven to me, wasn't so much scary. He was more emo than anything else to <laughs> me. Like emo. he was the emo wrestler to me. Like his feud with Sandman and ECW was probably one of my fit between that feud and his with Tommy Dreamer. Those were the two best feuds in ECW. Um I is it was that my eyes or did I see a brand banner coming? That's weird. That's awesome, <laughs> yeah, by the way. Yeah. Uh but uh that's pretty cool. Um, but like I said, um uh, um, uh, he was more emo to me, Raven, but his feuds with with Sandman and Dreamer and ECW, those were some of my favorite feuds back in the early 90s of pro wrestling like especially when he involved everybody, Raven had a very creative mind and this comes from the mouth of Tommy Dreamer, this comes from the mouth of Paul Heyman, this comes from the mouth of even WCW people they said Raven is very creative when it comes to stuff in pro wrestling and he's got stories um that feud with tommy literally started out with just him tommy and beulah and then they involved uh the blue meanie and stevie richards then they involved Kamano Wanalea. then they involved the pitbulls then it involved shane douglas like they just it snowballed and everybody got involved in that story Mm -hmm. and with me raven is just a genius heck even his run in tna for a little bit he had some awesome matches um, I think he was involved in a couple of the Monster Ball matches, and I thought those were awesome because I loved every Monster Ball match that happened in TNA in the early days, and Raven or Abyss were involved in the majority of them.
1: You know, looking at it, I feel like Raven, he was more of like a psychological kind of, um, I think, horror villain. And I think that's kind of why I put him on the list for us to talk about because I know he was a cult leader of the flock, but it was just the way that he would, his mind games that he would do to people, especially with Dreamer.
2: Yeah, I think it was great. Um, I thought it was the best story um, in ACW was was him and Dreamer. And then the night that Dudley boys were leaving, won the tag titles, and we we're going to go WWE, Raven comes back and wins the titles with Tommy. Like, bitter enemies become tag champs. Like, I think that was such a good – because things fell out for him in WCW. So he came back to ECW, like, on their last leg – and but with him like he just was just genius in bringing people into stories and i think that's what made him a unique character
1: very true you know who i think um now that we're kind of kind of talking wcw ecw but one that i feel like is very underrated and i wish i would watch more of and i have him on my list to watch more of um vampiro yeah
0: vampiro. oh yeah um
1: I feel like Vampiro was very underrated in WCW. Did he do any ECW or is he just specifically WCW?
2: He was he was mostly WCW. I rarely saw him in any ECW. And I believe Vampiro actually went on to comment uh, commentary for Lucha Underground with Matt Stryker. Yeah. Um I think they were the they were the commentary team for that show. Um, and I loved it. Um, I loved Vampiro because they involved Pantero in a storyline with Penta. Because him and he he used to be student teacher, so they did the student teacher storyline with Penta versus Vampiro. And man, even at his age and what his body was, Vampiro put on a banger with Penta in in that Lucha Underground show. They had a match, and it was solid. Like Vampiro can still go, like at that point, still going. Like he's on still uh,
1: NWA right now.
2: Yeah, no, he's still going, and um. I, I think he's I think he's solid. I think he's a
1: great wrestler. You know, another kind of underrated, you know, group. And just because of their music, can I get a whoop whoop for the juggalos? <laughs> <laughs> Insane Clown Posse. You know, it's crazy, like, I just watched um he did um uh, Violent Jade did an interview with Steve-O. And he talks about, he was a, he's a lifelong dedicated wrestling fan. And to be, you know, go, you know, up through, I think ECW and then into WWE doing like just a few matches they've done, but just to enjoy wrestling. I think they even brought like backyard wrestling to the gathering of the juggalos. So shout out to, to to all the juggalos and juggalettes out there. (laughs) <laughs> uh, Magnet, the fucking
2: magnets man how do
1: they work <laughs> <laughs> but you know i feel like they had a very fun fun presence more clownish you know but but shout out to <laughs> insane clown posse um another group and i think is awesome to see where two of the guys are at now the brood looking at i think they have the coolest entrance and man- theme song right mean that,
0: that i mean that that theme music and that okay. entrance was just oh man I, I, Angrelle, I was always scared I, I was always scared that they were gonna get caught on fire right? i was like <laughs> y'all are like too close to that fire like what is, i i mean I, I would love to hear those stories about how hot it was because i know Undertaker almost got like burned his face off like one time um by the pyro of the fire. And that fire when them just coming out from the bottom, oh man! And that when that music hit, duh, and then it was all red, right? Like the all the lights were red. It was just it, that was super cool. Like I love uh, uh Gangrel and Edge and Christian with that. That, that was that was super fun. I, and Gangrel, you know, getting sipping the blood and then spitting <laughs> it out all over everybody. Like that was like super cool.
1: It's so crazy to see Christian and Edge. Both wearing fluffy white shirts and being vampires, <laughs> and to become one of the biggest tag team champions and probably two of the best world champions in the last, you know, 20 25 years.
0: Yeah,
3: And, and you know, what's believe. crazy
0: too is that Gangrel, you know, almost <laughs> came to AEW, right? He was supposed he to did. do like a one-off one appearance, yeah, he, or he did do the one-off, he did one-off yeah, yeah.
3: appearances, yeah, he had uh, he had two or three appearances, I think. 100. Yeah, cause he,
2: he was yeah he was brought into that feud with the Hardys and uh, the Young Bucks. Yeah. Yes.
3: But
2: I mean, think about it now.
0: Though. I mean, but think about it now with Christian and Edge there, like.
3: Yeah, that's a possible. You know, what if he
0: like, right? That they could do something all three together. You know, do some type of promo, and he could still do the one off. You know, and just you know, come in and you know, spit some blood in Christian's face or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: But you know, I feel like Gangrel. What's up? Oh, I was gonna say
2: that theme for the Brood was banger. I every time you heard the ah, hot. and then the dude, dude. <laughs> yeah. 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 me was sick. I was like, dude, this is the sickest entrance I've ever seen. Yeah, like, man, I loved it I love when I was a kid it. and I was in it. I was like that. Even when they uh, that Hell in the Cell match at WrestleMania that Taker fought Big Boss man, man, and they descended from the top. And, like, snuck that noose down in the ring and they hung Boss Man. Even that was crazy to me. I was like, dude, that is sick. Like, that is crazy what they're doing. That was WrestleMania 15. And I was like, dude, they are having, like, even though it's a fake hanging. But I'm like, dude, this is crazy, creepy, and awesome all at the same time. So
1: I love the brood. You know, I feel like I feel like I wish it would have gone just a little bit longer. And I wish Gangrel would have had a little more time. But he is one of the most beloved wrestlers out there right now. Still yeah. making towns. Still making the towns. I think he was also he was I think I believe
2: at a point he was with uh, Luna uh, Bashan. I think Ooh. they were a couple. Um, if I can remember, he was he was with someone. Um, I want to say it was her though because they talked about he was with a female. I can't remember. I, I want to say it was Luna um, because they had mentioned him in an episode of Dark Side of the Ring. Um, about being in a relationship with someone, and I want to say it was Luna that hit her and Gangrel were a couple for a while. Um, so yeah, no, I I hear he's like the nicest guy, so like I would love to meet him.
1: Yeah, he's on my bucket list for sure to meet. Uh, man, this is it's been a, it's been a lot of fun tonight so far. This has been a great show, um, Devin. <laughs> was making fun of me for the uh, Juggalo comment. (laughs) He said that in school one time in 1999. (laughs) Very funny, Devin. Um, The next person I want to talk about, I think he had not really necessarily full-on spooky, but just crazy and wild. His brother was a little more spooky, though. That is the whole broken universe with Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy. Where Broken Matt had an intellectual being, spirit, that would possess the vessel known as Matt Hardy. This was some of the funnest stuff I've ever seen in professional wrestling. Especially, well, at least during TNA. His TNA run as Broken Matt, just, just god tier.
2: Um, I agree. Uh, I think it's funny because we talk about reinventing yourself and Matt did that in TNA with the broken Matt Hardy. And I think it was some of the best thing. I love how he incorporated his family into it. um, Especially since his wife was a wrestler. So he's like, let's incorporate that. And like, he had this whole story of the Hardy compound and the whole Vanguard, like that's my projection and all that. Like, I, I love that whole story of Matt just like involving his family And then bringing in Jeff um, as as brother Nero, you know, Um, I think it was the coolest story. Again, that is the basis of what the, I I keep bringing it up, but what the bloodline is, is this whole story about a group um, that never ends. Um, But something about the broken Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy, you know, brother Nero thing I feel like you that conti- that's gonna continue for a long time because it's just stuck with you, uh, especially his laugh. Like he's like yes, yes. Like, yes. like like I loved it. Like when he debuted during that pandemic era in AEW, and you saw the Vanguard like come down in the ring, and you're like wait a minute, and then they go up mm-hmm. to the rafters, and it's quiet in the arena, and you could just hear. Him, his laugh echo through the arena. It, it was just the coolest thing I've ever seen. I was like, yes, Broken Matt Hardy in AEW.
3: The
1: Lake of Reincarnation!
3: I really Did hope that, uh, you know, that fans have been back for a while now, they can go back to that character, because I don't think we really got a good glimpse of that character in AEW, because at that time there was no fans. He even said it himself, it was really hard to... I mean, that, they did different things like the uh, teleportation, like he him and shape community it was kind of really, really hard to make that character work without a crowd, which they did a bunch of uh cinematic matches in AW uh Sammy, Guevara. Then that's how the uh Stadium Stampede came into play a little bit, Matt Hardy. But so don't forget uh, but about hope...
1: the ultimate deletion with Jeff Hardy and TNA.
3: Yeah, I feel like that's the only place that's ever worked. No WWE did the woke. It. Was the Woken Matt Hardy? I don't really feel like it. It's only worked in TNA, it feels like. But that's it where it. did work
1: it, a little bit with the cinematic match because I feel like.
3: Yeah.
1: Besides maybe the last Hardy Compound match, any every match in the Hardy Compound has just been spectacular, and just the visuals. You know, I love his his wife is very gothic. I don't know if you guys know that. Especially with Gothic okay. Baby, and I'm excited to see if they do more stuff with Gothic Baby in wrestling. Um, but just the atmosphere, and just it, it was just something spectacular. And his match with Bray, like I can't decide if yeah. I love his match with Bray Watts better or his match with Jeff. Because to me, they're both equally good and just tell just a beautiful, you know, multi-level story.
3: I'd really like to see that whole faction. Uh, like how they did in TNA, but bring it into AEW. I don't feel like we got that kind of broken Matt Hardy. Because uh, he's had a lot of characters in AEW, the Money, Money Big Matt. Money, Hardy.
1: Version one, spot monkey, Hardy brother <laughs> Matt. Yeah. And I uh, think I, like he's got a, I think they're building to a new character with him. Because he keeps like, every time I feel like he gets hit or has a moment in on Dynamite or Rampage Collision, there's always a callback to either Big Money Matt, Broken Matt, you know, I wonder if they're going to do a split personality gimmick or do something, all like right, a whole cool. new, like, character for Matt. Because I know he's been talking about bringing new, like, a version of Broken Matt that's different from what we saw during the pandemic era and TNA.
3: Yeah, I, I really have to do it at least one more time because I don't feel like they really got the payoff off that character in AEW. Uh, with now fans are back, so it'd be a lot easier to, you know, do stuff like that. I wish True. depending pandemic would never happen because imagine the pop that would have been for uh, him, and, him and Brody, Brody Lee. That that would have been something so special. I don't know if they was going to be on the same show or not because plans changed. But that would have been really special. But uh, yeah, but but they made it really cool at Davey's place. Like Adam was saying, like him being on top of the uh, what would you call it? The balcony, I guess, or that
2: it was like the the, the balcony rafters, yeah. like yeah, like a, yeah. It was like, like the second yeah. or
0: like the second tier up there, yeah.
3: It was really, really cool and uh, something that, something very creative you can do with no fans.
1: Very true. So as we kind of uh, start to wind down, I think, you know, we got pretty much two big wrestlers to kind of, I think, finish the night off with. Um, So let's talk about, before we get to our two main event guys, uh, let's talk briefly about Darby Allin. So I feel like Darby Allin is the reincarnation of Sting, but in his own flavor. I feel like Darby's got the toys, you know, the shirts, the fans wearing his makeup and to have Sting mentor him. I think Darby's going to get a huge push. I think after Sting retires. And I think going back to our previous conversation with, um, you know, about Sting, I think Darby's going to be the one to retire Sting.
2: I mean, that's, that's pretty much a lot of people's thought just because he's yeah. the the student and Sting's the teacher. It's kind of like the Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels match is if it's some where Rick's like, if anyone's going to retire me from WWE, it's you, Sean, because I took you under my wing and we became good friends, blah, blah, blah. But, but honestly, I I wouldn't mind seeing Sting's last match. um, Again, like we mentioned earlier against someone from his past, someone like a, a Jeff Jarrett or, you know, heck even someone like a Jeff Hardy, um, I think we didn't get a proper story with him and Jeff Hardy in TNA just because over. of the uh, stop Connor. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think we got a, a solid finish to that feud between Jeff and and Sting in, in TNA because of Jeff's you know issues, and I think Jeff's in a great place now. That heck, if he wanted to, it could be Jeff and Sting in the final match and actually have that that match. Um, yeah. you know. Yeah, I, I think, you know, as fans, we want to see that match, you know, d- you know, despite the fact that both guys are, you know, at different styles and both are a little slower than when they were in TNA, but we still want to see that match because we didn't get the proper match in TNA. Um, but I, I honestly think with Darby, Darby is so talented and his character, again, to me is a Raven. It's a, It's an emo kind of character who's alone, wants to have the people close to him, but he doesn't want to because he wants to do things on his own he wants to fight his own battles but he feels like the world is heavy and he wants to challenge it and take the risks but i like that i like that in a character you know i like i like the theme song it works you know he's a loner you know he's a daredevil and i think all of it works out for him and i do see him getting a title here soon um I, i mean unless you know he decides that you know how to look at other avenues and go to another, you know, company which I don't know I feel like he's just glued to, to AEW and he's going to be one of their staples for a long time. Um, yeah. you know, and, and again it's the way he connects with the crowd. Uh I think that's so unique that a pro wrestler can do that. We see it throughout our 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 history of pro wrestling where, you know, Hulk Hogan connected with most of the crowds in the 80s, you know. Um but and then, you know, you also got Um, Andre the Giant at some point connected with the crowd. You had Roddy Piper connect with the crowd. Good guys and bad guys. They connected with the crowd. Um, 90s, you had Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, you know, Ultimate Warrior. You know, 2000s, you had Kurt Angle, John Cena, you know, Undertaker, you know, through the 90s and 2000s. You had these people that connect. And to the new generation, Darby Allin is that young generational wrestler that connects with the young kids in the crowd. Because some of those young kids are like them. They're dead or devils. They take risks. And they see this guy, they're like, wow, he's cool. He's taking risks. He's throw, jumping out of planes in the water. He's skateboarding down the ramp. That's cool. Like, he connects with the crowd. And I think that's why I like Darby Allen, you know. And, yeah. and I feel like, he, you know, he's he's branching out a little bit outside of wrestling. Like, he's doing the Mount Everest thing. And, you know, he's doing all these different things. Like, it's good. You know, It's good to take a break. Give your body that break from pro wrestling. That's a
1: longevity thing and if he keeps doing that, he, he might last a long time in pro wrestling. Yeah. I love his vignettes because for those guys that don't know, <clears throat> Darby went to film school and he shoots all he, him and his director of friends in Washington shoot all of his vignettes. So he I, I feel like that is something that really stood out for me early on <clears throat> before I even knew who he was. Remember, like, his Cody laid out the challenge, and Darby had the whole like destroyed car, the skateboard. I'm like, who is this guy? And the next thing you know, man, like his vignettes just get better and better. Whether it's you know body bags, uh, stapling his opponents, you know, piece of their you know a piece of paper of their opponent's face on his on his on his head. You know, Darby really has. I would say he's a mixture of Raven and Sting. I feel like he kind of takes both huge elements of both those guys and then takes the love of Jeff Hardy's spot monkey.
2: No, I agree. I I definitely agree. That's, that's where I see Darby is he's a mixture of all three of those characters, but it works because he can run with it. You know, I think, but, but again, it's um, it's funny because it it gets to the point where you're going to have to reinvent yourself because at some point, that audience that you're with, they grow and you have to grow with them. And some of the stuff that they like you did before, they don't like it anymore. It's it's kind of like, you know, a lot of people with movies, like, you know, I stopped watching Fast and the Furious after like the third or fourth one, just because it's the same thing to me and I want something new in an action car chase, kind of a car movie, you know, but it's the same thing, you know? So because that's, that's the, audience- a,
0: that's a, yeah, that's an interesting, that's an interesting point, right? Is that, Like, we're all – I think we can all be consensus that we all like Darby, right? I mean, his style of wrestling is is different. I mean, I know he was one of the ones, like, yeah, they call him a a pillar, but I I never thought about him that way. I always just thought that this is what I wanted when I watched AEW, right? I wanted something different, and he was definitely different. And then his smaller stature, right? Like, he's not the biggest guy, but he is just – He's so high pace, right? And he's, but he's not a luchador, right? He's just he's a hard paced, hard hitter, and it's like you really don't see that, right? And he was like one of those guys that that just kind of stood out, right? When you watch the EW, I know for me when I started watching EW, like I was like, damn, I like this guy. Like this, this is pretty badass what he's doing. I'm like, you know, and and then going to your point that yeah, that uh, that eventually it's gonna wear off, but I feel like the what happens then is. You know, I, I, what I, for something for me that I imagine is him, you know, he has the half face, right? And he's a baby face. When that, when, when he gets to that point where he, I feel like he's going to get to that point where he needs to turn heel and then do a full face. And just like, instead of white, you know, it's dark, you know, and just go like dark Darby, you know, and go to like, just go full Gothic with it, right? Like he's like half. Gothic, right, and then half, um you know, regular Darby, you know, and, and I feel like you can definitely do something with that when that when that time comes that it's like, yeah, this is kind of wearing out because, you, like you said, it is going to wear out. Like you said, people grow, you know, it's not going to last forever. You know, he probably could get away with it for another couple of years, but I feel like, yeah, Darby is 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 one of those guys could definitely hold that world championship belt. I definitely see that sometimes, and like I said, I think after um sting um after that is done i feel like darby can definitely uh get a run you know in, in some way or another you know even even if it's not even the world championship belt you know he can go after the international belt you know like he can he can do all those things too so i definitely feel like uh like darby and, and darby's not going anywhere i think darby yeah. has already come out and said that he's an AEW lifer that he's not going to go anywhere and he doesn't care about wwe because WWE is not going to let him do what he wants to do out there in the ring, and like you so said, all his vignettes that he does, um, you know, WWE won't allow him to do that. So he's, you know, he he likes what he does. You know, the fact that he filmed uh, that stuff with Edge was super cool. Like I, I love that that he was part of that. Um, you know, that he gave you know Edge the or uh, Adam Cole gave him the car, you know, and told him like the the cool spot to drive around Seattle and stuff. I thought that was like really cool. Um, but yeah i i i definitely feel like uh like darby's gonna still gonna get a push, you know, and he and he and honestly, he doesn't even need it right I mean like you i mean any match that Darby's on, you're gonna get a banger, you know it doesn't even need to be a bell, and that's the one thing I love about Darby is that I wanna watch his matches no matter what i don't it doesn't even matter if he's fighting for a belt, I wanna watch his matches like he 'cause I already know he's gonna do some crazy ass stuff that I'm just like. Dude, are you serious? Like, you know, how are you? How are you not broken in half by now? You know, and and that's that. I think that's one thing I love about Darby. Darby's, yeah, he's a, he's a he's a unique, um, you know, one of a kind, you know, type of deal that you you're not gonna see very often.
1: You know, another very specific individual. I don't know if you guys ever see me hinting at it. Our next person in the chat, <laughs> <clears throat> but I feel like when you speak of somebody that's super evil. You gotta think the great Donovan Danhausen. That's the uh, the very nice, very evil, loved by all.
0: This man Apparently not by all. Apparently, you know, there's been some uh some discourse with them lately on the on the uh X timeline that I've been seeing, which I'm not too fond of. I love Danhausen. Uh goes right, love that Danhausen. Um, Love that Dan Halsen. Give him all the money. I, I saw Dan Housen. I remember I started watching um, <laughs> Ring of Honor again, right? When he was there and he was uh he was teaming with PCO. And uh, and I started and I was watching I was watching a lot of like um, not I was trying to get to watch Ring of Honor, but it was just like so hard to watch like Ring of Honor um, before you know they went out and Tony bought it and stuff. And uh and I would watch his unboxings and I just, I, and then I've seen him at the at the toy stores and all that stuff, watching his blogs or whatever. I just, I, I, I liked him. I liked him as, as you know, as a character. I always thought that he was cool, the way he talked. I, He was hilarious to me. I, I, I love wrestlers that make me laugh and they do like their, their, their little gimmicks in the ring and they make, and when you can make me laugh while you're wrestling, like, I love that. Like, I, I don't care if you lose. You know, because I mean, I pretty much all the matches that I saw him, he lost. But if you make me laugh and you entertain me, like, I, I, I'm I, gonna roll with you because you're, you're cool, you know, on that basis. That you know, if you because right, I mean, I think when we watch wrestling, we want to get something out of it. We don't just want to watch a match and oh, it's a good match. I mean, I mean, we want to see good matches, but sometimes you can watch a match and it's just like it just goes through the motions, right? But with Dan Allison, you always got something different, right? Or he's getting the teeth out and he's. You know, and and it was funny, too, because watching those matches, he was doing those matches with an empty crowd, and I didn't like that because it, it felt like he needed to, like, be more interactive with the audience. Um, so it kind of took something away. But with the teeth, you know, you know, getting the teeth out, the, you know, the jar full of teeth and then shoving it down the, you know, the opponent's mouth, I thought it was a really cool thing. And I, I, I'm going to just be one to say that, yeah, I love that Dan Housen. Uh, I don't care what anybody says. It, he's always going to be cool on my book for sure.
2: You know, it's crazy. Mark, I am a Mark for Danhausen. I (laughs) love Danhausen. Connor Connor can attest to this. When we went to AEW, the shirt I wore was my Danhausen Sample shirt. I love Danhausen. I love his vlogs. I love what he does in professional wrestling. The fact that that man has built a a fan base by barely having any matches on TV is amazing. And it is fantastic what he can do with that. And, and for me, that's someone I like because if you watch some of his old tapes, he didn't have the makeup on. He just wrestled as Donovan Danhausen. And, you know, he had good matches, but he's like, I need to do something to stand out because all these wrestlers have certain things about them. He's like, you know what? I'm going to paint my face. I'm going to create this character. And the makeup actually is inspired by the movie The Exorcist. I don't know if a lot of you guys have seen The Exorcist, but it was inspired by the uh, – the, the demon creature when they do that flash and you see his face and oh, it's all- the
0: one in the the one on the cabinet, right? The one that happened. Yes. Like in the yeah. Movie yeah. Oh, the, that, like older, the I older, the older exorcist okay. movie.
2: And yeah, it, yeah. I keep forgetting the name. It's like the Zuzu or something like that, but it's the painted face. He designed that after that. Um, because Dan Housen is a big fan of comics. He's a big fan of movies, big fan of horror stuff. Um, and so and he created that. Yeah. <laughs> he created that. And I love it. It's a character that for me, it, a modern day character for me. And I love it. Um, I think that's why I'm a big fan. I'm a big mark for Danhausen. I mean, when he debuted in that match I, with Adam Cole and orange and he came out on the chair and he cursed Adam Cole. I was like,
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: Dan here!" yeah, I loved his vlogs. I love his vlogs. Uh, yeah. The way he interviews other wrestlers. Hilarious. You yeah, know, absolutely. the way he, he calls other wrestlers by different names. You know, he calls CM Punk Pepsi Phil. And I love it. <laughs> you know, like they're good friends and I love it. Uh, yeah. I think he calls I think he calls John Moxley John Moxley Parquet, like after they <laughs> <laughs> parked. But he calls him he calls him John Moxley Paquette. And uh but uh him and if you guys watch it, him and Jericho had a match on the Jericho. And, and Jericho yeah. actually painted his face with yeah, Dan that's Housen.
0: right. I remember that. And yeah. it was
2: Jericho Housen was the team. And I was <laughs> like, dude, that's awesome. But Dan Housen is, is such a good, like, he, a promoter of himself, but he also is great working with anybody in professional wrestling. I, I have not heard, you hear all these stories about, oh, who's a tough person to work with in the industry? I've never heard one person say no. Dan Housen. Like, they've all, everybody's got something positive to say about Dan Housen. Like they they love his character, they love his 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 uh, personality. I mean, the guy, like when you hear him talk regularly, and then his Danhausen voice, you're like, wait, no, that's not the same person. That is <laughs> definitely not the same person. But the fact that he creates this character and it becomes, it's kind of like Matt Hardy with Woken Matt Hardy. It was like he created something different that we've never seen Matt Hardy do before. Well, Donovan Danhausen just took his background in wrestling and created his character. Doesn't need a match. He just needs to appear and people go crazy. Crazy. I mean, Connor, freaking the 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 Nashville show uh that I first started talking to you after, uh it was the same night that you know uh Thunder Rosa and Mercedes had that street fight. They did yeah. the after show where he brought out like Chris Statlander and best friends, and then who else did he bring out? Danhausen. Yeah. And when Danhausen came out, that crowd went wild <laughs> because they were chanting for him all night. That that's the impact that someone has. Uh and that's why I think I, I love Danhausen. I mean th- I love that Danhausen. He's just a yeah. down-to-earth kind of character and person.
1: Even Jim Cornette likes Danhausen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's saying Jim Cornette does not like many independent
0: or AEW talents. Yeah, he pretty much hates everything <laughs> AEW and independent. <laughs> well well, Jim
2: Jim hates Jim doesn't like like Character kind of wrestlers. He doesn't. He he's not a uh, he's not big on those anymore. He likes he likes gimmicks, but he likes gimmicks more in a match style, or you know gimmicks in like a storyline. He doesn't like gimmick wrestling, but he loves the the, the Danhausen character and the person that that just shows you that the Donovan Danhausen is a really cool guy.
3: Yeah, and he's very nice, very evil. I don't like Cornette to uh, like him. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot to get. You're doing something right, if Jim Cornette's liking what you're doing. So before we move on to Bray Wyatt and Mr.
1: Brody Lee, because <clears throat> I feel like that's the best way to end the show. Um, <clears throat> Adam, Mark, and Connor, do you know who Danhausen based his his character off of? Danhausen. the well, classic to... horror, horror uh, character?
3: What Danhausen
2: or... was it? Was it is it Sven Gulli?
1: It was like Simf and uh Nose
2: Ratu, that's right.
1: Both, he, he credits both those guys because <clears throat> he first just had like this really creepy demon makeup. And he ta- I think he did an interview with Chris Van Lee about it. Went from this creepy demon you know, makeup, went to a Halloween costume party. Like, hey, why don't you try you know doing it like Nose for And then it just snowballed into <laughs> the dead house in today. So yeah, very. Yeah, good. no.
2: He credits he credits Van Van a lot in, in interviews. He he talks about Van Gooly, and actually, I grew up with Van uh in Chicagoland. he was big on Saturday mornings. He would show all the classic horror movies, like the black and whites, and like the early sixties and seventies. And like it, it, that's that was our morning on Saturdays was watching Sven Gulli.
1: Well, guys, I think it's time we follow the buzzards, and let's talk about. The Wyatt family. And we'll talk about the Fiend here in a second. Um, The Wyatt family, I loved their creepy aesthetic. I feel like it had that Jim Jones, it had that Manson family. Like Bray literally challenged, like, you know, he literally challenged himself and just dug deep and became a huge cult leader. Because think about it nobody booed Bray Wyatt. You you know he was a monster. Him and his crew was monsters. But everybody had the the flashlights out. They were the fireflies. They were lighting the way for WWE savior. Um, looking back, I know we talked. I know we had a whole episode on Bray Wyatt. Um, rest in peace. Uh, for his you know his memorial episode. But what was like? Do you have like a specific line or a specific match that really creeped you out or moment? of his career that's like, man, this is giving me chills. This is actually kind of spooky.
3: Bray Wyatt. Uh, He's had a lot of uh, of spooky matches. But if I had to say one, probably have to be – what was the match at a – no, I wouldn't say that one because he wasn't really wrestling in the match really. Let's say him Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryan in WWE, their match was really uh, good, and Brian Danielson joined the Wyatt family for a little bit.
1: Yep, that was that was a really cool time because um, just the visual of the two of them in a steel cage, tag teaming, and Bray Wyatt, you know, basically going to hug his son, and Danielson attacks him, removes. The skin of the Wyatt family is back to the Yes movement. It, I I felt like both him and Danielson had a very poetic story right there. Yeah. And don't forget all the you know vignettes that were filmed in the Bayou and the Wyatt compound.
3: Yeah.
2: Now I um I thoroughly enjoyed the Wyatt character. Um, a lot of people, you know. Well, so the basis, and we talked about this on the episode about Bray Wyatt, the basis of his Bray Wyatt character was actually two characters. Um, it was Max Caddy, it was Robert De Niro's Max Caddy character from Cape Fear, and it was another pro wrestler who went by the name of Waylon Mercy. Um, hence why one of his characters on the Funhouse was Mercy, the buzzard or Mercy Brothers or whatever who it was. was Mercy
1: Brothers, yep.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so it was kind of his ode to Mercy Whaling for inspiring this character. Um, and I loved it. Uh, you know, we had him as Husky Harris. I said, you know, that just doesn't work. But then he came back as this creepy Bayou character, and it's like, dude, this is genius. Like, this is a creepy character. And it gave me that. And I didn't realize it until I, I read about it that it was based on Robert De Niro's Max Caddy character from Cape Fear, because I had seen that movie when I was younger and I was like, dude, yeah, I can totally see where this character comes from. So uh, I thoroughly enjoyed
1: it. So Um Mark, what was your favorite uh what was your favorite moment um of Bray's? Um were you a heat? were you did you love uh Bray Wyatt's character um when he first started or were you more of a huge fan of the Fiend? Like, walk me through. Oh like, man!
0: You know, I oh man! I, I, well, I'll just say when Bray Wyatt came out and with Luke Harper and Eric Rowan, th- those guys with the uh, with those those masks, they came out and Braun Strowman actually too. I mean, once they added Braun Strowman, they just seemed like they were just this unstoppable <laughs> force, right? And there was, and it was super creepy when they would come out with those masks. Uh, you know, there were, what was it like a lamb or something, or or, or some type mm-hmm.
1: of it was, yeah, the sheep,
0: yeah, sheep, and, and it, it was just like super creepy, right? It gave you like those super, like, oh, these guys like live out in the you know, out in the wild and they just kidnap you and they murder you, right? Like Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> or something, like it gave you that type of vibe, right? And it was just, it was creepy, and then they were so dominant, it was a thing, like, there were, there were, they were all huge guys, right? Like, there was like there was no like wink, weak, weak link in the arm in the in the chain. Like they were just like these big strong dudes. They were super creepy. And it was just like, is anybody gonna stop these guys? Like like what is you know, like these guys could have just like ran over everybody. And uh and 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 I love that. I I love when they were all together. I thought that was super cool. It was super it, it was very entertaining. Like I said, like it uh anytime you can have those type of guys are doing that and look so dominant and yet creepy at the same time. It's just, that's the tough, that's the stuff that takes you over the top. And, uh, and then when Bray came back as, as, uh, as the fiend, I mean, that was just awesome. I mean, when I first saw him and he came out as fiend and he came out with the lamp, it was like his old face was, has to be one of the creepiest things I ever seen in my entire life. But it was like him on the lamp, Right? Like his face was there and his mouth is open over the light. And it was just like, What the hell is this? Like what <laughs> is going on here? Like this is an- and then the and then the the the, the I guess wanna say the remix of uh his intro song, it just made it even more creepier more more freaking awesome, more badass. Like I, I was just like I loved everything about the fiend. Like all I wanted to see was more of the fiend. Um uh, I, and and I, uh, man, who was the one that he first came out to? Was it Finn Balor? Uh, yeah, where when he first
1: snapped did? Finn Balor's neck,
0: man. And you know, and then that 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 creepy like screech would just come out, yes. right? And then that and then you would see like a little bit of light that would just come out, and then man, and it was just like holy crap, like. And at first, you know, you were like, "Wait, who is that? Wait, that's Bray Wyatt." And then they're like, "That's the Fiend," and it's just like the Fiend. Like, what is that? Like, that is super cool. Like, I, I i love that uh i love you know that that was a type of thing that we go back to when we talk about staying that reinvention because i i do feel like bray's character kind of got stale right when um when kind of Braun went his own way and uh you know it kind of felt like bray was in a little bit of a limbo there and the fact that he I'm, hope, I'm I'm thinking that he came up with the character because I, I believe a lot of people said that Bray had a good uh wrestling mind. A lot of uh he had a lot of cool ideas, like he was a good storyteller, that he had a lot of great stories. Uh so I like to believe that, that was that was his idea, and it was a freaking great one. And I and, and thinking about that, I'm, I'm I'm thinking about you know Finn Balor too and the demon. Um like that was super cool as well, you know, with Finn Balor doing the demon. I, I absolutely love Finn Balor as a demon. But I do like these characters taking these like extremely dark turns. Like that's something that I I enjoy watching because it you're you're just wondering like what they're gonna do next. And 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 it was like that with the fiend and Bray Wyatt. Like, once he became the fiend, it was just like who's he gonna attack? Right? Like once he got over with a few with somebody it was like who's next? Right. Like you were just you know a- almost like on every like end of Raw episode or SmackDown next? episode. What's that? What's that, Connor? Did you just say
3: who's next?
0: Yeah.
2: Stop, Connor. Stop.
1: <laughs> Stop it. It's happening. No. No,
0: but uh, but but yeah. But I'll I'll pretty much end on that. That you know I was just you know glued to my TV, just wondering at the end because you you know he knew it was going to come out at the end of a show, right? So it was like those last ten minutes. You were just like glued to the TV, like, who, uh, is, it, is, is he going to come out now? You know, and you're just, like, waiting, like, you're just waiting for those lights to just black out, and it's like, oh, there he is, you know, and then I just loved The Fiend as a, uh, yeah, The Fiend was just a super awesome character that I, I yeah, absolutely loved.
1: Well, don't forget, too, like, his, I thought his Steve Burns character, <clears throat> like, a mental image, I feel like it was, like, we're watching a mental image of him, what he thinks himself as. Like, if, like, you were seeing the two sides you know, of him, you know, battling it out, trying to gain control. Because you have the Steve Burns character with the children's programming, you know, and just all cutesy and missing people. But then there's, like, a little synopsis of, you know, the Husky Harris character, Huskis the pig. And then you had, you know, uh, was it Heal and Hurt um, for his gloves, remember correctly, you know, everything like that. And then him burning his Bray Wyatt... um, you know, cut out and then make it fun of Vince McMahon. And then leading up to probably one of the best thing matches of the pandemic era with that firefly Funhouse, and taking John Cena through, you know, his, his life. It was almost like, this is your, this is your life, Cena. And kind of revisiting, you know, their feud when he was just the original, you know, cult leader, Bray. So Bray was a very great um, character for sure. And then, you know, one of his own disciples goes on and becomes the leader of another cult with Mr. Brody Lee. Um, like my transition there? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but with Mr. Brody Lee, you know, I feel like he had a, his whole exiled one. Like, I love that monster. I love that well-educated, smart monster and him leading the Dark Order. Um, I think the Dark Order was doing great with their vignettes. Even you know, and Stu Grayson going yeah. out, you know, get, making people part of members. They were advertising. They were just handing stuff out, and then you know we're building up. Who's the exile one? Is it going to be Christopher Daniels, Matt Hardy, and then for you know, and then have Mister Brody Lee just have this very spooky and just you know like that intro of him just speaking that 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 robotic voice, and then transitioning. You know, to him to be, you know, the normal, you know, to his normal voice and just coming out and just doing all the things he did. Like he was building that character, that faction every week through Dynamite, Rampage, Dark. He was on Talking Elite. You know, you literally, Mr. Brody Lee had something very special.
2: Yeah, I think, um, I think we didn't really get full potential uh, with Brody. Um, I, I really wish we did. Um, Because I even loved it. It was it was kooky and crazy, but I even loved his Bludgeon Brothers characters with uh, Eric Rowan, Um, you know. And we got him as the Exalted One in AEW, and you know he feuds with Cody for the TNT title and he wins it. And you know it's it's sad we didn't get a full potential with him with a crowd because you can only imagine what the reaction would be when you get him with a crowd. Um, because like Bray Wyatt, um, uh, Brody Lee was just smart when it came to owning a character, um, being in ring, doing everything he can in ring, his brutality in the ring with his, with his matches. Um, heck, I mean, when he returned and it was him, Wyatt, and Orton, just the three of them, I thought that was the best version, one of the best versions of the Wyatt family um just because you know each one of them had their own kind of persona in the group you know you had bray as the leader you had orton as his right hand man and then luke as the the strong hand you know and like uh it, it just worked for me you know and i really wish we would have gotten more of bray uh Brody lee um in aew as the exalted one because god knows where that whole dark order would be today if we had the route we were going a darker route than what we get with the comedic side although connor and i have talked about it, i think we talked about it a couple times on here too lane that we love this new turn of dark order going back to their origins of being mean and being dark you know they've been comedy for a while but then you know watching them back on tv of them you know pretty much turning their backs on adam uh, uh, adam page and becoming more dark and sinister in their matches and cheating to win like that's the dark order that i feel could have been with Brody lee more darker more brutal and everything like that. So it's, it's kind of sad that we lost that when Brody Lee passed.
3: Yeah. I really That's wish. Uh, hard for sure. I really wish Wyndham Rotunda, or Tunda, I wish he would have chose to go to AEW instead of returning to WWE. Cause I believe he could have turned the dark order around. Cause he's got the same kind of mindset. As Lee. Uh,
0: that would have been so, so together, good.
3: Cause they were together, obviously. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm curious to see where the Dark Horse can go now, but uh you know, Brody Lee uh even in his short little his short run, he had a he was John Moxley at Double Nothing twenty twenty, which was a really, really good match. Um of course the Cody's will probably be his best matches in AW when you look at it. Dog collar. Uh and he won the title against Cody. It was a squash match. He just he just he destroyed like that destroyed was destroyed nice. Cody. I feel like yeah. that night when he won the TNT title was when the dark order was at its peak because Anna Jay, I think officially joined. She choked out Brandy Rhodes. Like everyone was in full single. That's when they fully came together. I feel
0: like. And um, remember when they got the and they had got the new AEW TNT title and I remember him dumping the bag on Cody. That was yeah, so freaking the, cool, man. That was super cool. He broke the
3: championship.
0: In the bag, yeah. Right.
1: that was a really cool moment and the dog car match was just just super violent. You know, it paid homage to, to like, you know, to Greg Valentine and just, it was just one of the best moments. And I'm, I'm sad that it was like his last moment in AEW. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's sad
2: because we lost, I mean, I'm glad we saved these two for last because those two are to me are the modern day undertaker Kane. Um, I, I feel like those two working together basically created magic when it comes to darkness and just just evil kind of like stories and storylines and these dark characters who have something to hide and are just are just evil to their hearts, but they portray it so well on on, on in the ring and in stories. And both of their minds combined just had good storytelling and it, and I think my heart goes out I think I've, everybody said this too when he passed I think everybody's hearts go out to to Eric Rowan and heck even Braun Strowman. Yeah. but Eric Rowan because he worked with Bray and Brody for a long time no, and definitely. within what is it two uh, two years about he lost two of his best friends almost his brothers within a a, a two-year span and you know imagine the stories That would continue if all those guys are still together right now um you know with bray's ideas and writing and brody's execution of them and eric just being there and enjoying it like heck even braun being there like i think we would see something different i don't think we would have what we have with the bloodline um i think we'd have something better darker and yeah. you could kind of go back to what we're talking about this this topic is spooky wrestlers. We have a whole creepy club, again, outside of a reinvented Wyatt family. But could you imagine an integration of the Wyatt family with Dark Order? Like that together, that to me is New Age Dark, a Ministry of Darkness. I talked about it earlier, how much I love that faction in the early attitude area of WWF. I would love that as a faction. Had we not lost Brody and Bray, because yeah, I yeah. feel like that would be an amazing faction. You know, and you I think have you could have the Wyatt, the Wyatt Dark Order.
0: And I, and I think that um, I, I, man, I really believe that if Brody, you know, rest in peace. But man, had he not passed away, I seriously think that Bray would have came with him if he was still alive. I think I think that was the one thing that deterred him away was Brody not being there right cuz i believe that brody i, I think uh, i think it was brody's wife that said that you know she was con- he was constantly texting him telling him how much he loved AEW and how it was awesome over there and he goes I, you know i think he was like telling him i want you here brother like you know uh, you know cuz he, yeah. he was getting so much creative freedom that they didn't get in WWE and he was just telling him how much fun that it is to do it over there in AEW and i man i swear i, I really believe that if brody had not passed away, you know, Bray Wyatt would have been there as well. And they would have, man, they would have done some crazy things at the AEW.
2: The stories would have been amazing. If, yeah. if, if Brody hadn't passed and Bray did jump ship after being released from WWE, oh. if he jumped ship to AEW. Yeah. I guarantee you today we yeah. would have really good stories. You could imagine him, Brody, and Dark Order versus the Elite, Uh, you know, versus uh, Jericho Appreciation Society versus – you know, all those factions, like all these intertwined stories. And it, it it is amazing. And it's amazing that Bray had so many ideas outside of pro wrestling. You know, there was the idea of him making horror movies, you know. And, uh, you know, I feel like if he hadn't gotten sick and passed, I still feel like that would have been an avenue for him.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's
2: always those what ifs. Like, yeah. what if this never happened? What would we have today in pro wrestling? So I'm actually glad we ended on these two because those two, especially Bray, uh, when it comes to spooky characters from the past and kind of introducing them to a new generation, Bray understood that. And I think his passion for horror and his ideas for spookiness and (coughs) characters definitely changed the face of what we talk about when it comes to spooky wrestlers. Very
1: true. You know, like I feel like this was the best way to end the show. Um, Thank you guys uh, so much for um, coming out tonight. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, This one was a lot of fun to do and to get you guys in the spirit for Halloween. Um, I want to say thank you again to my wonderful friends for coming on, Adam, Connor, and Mark. Um, It's always a pleasure to talk wrestling with you guys. Um, So before we kind of close up, let me go to the comment section one last time before we sign off. Um, I saw a very nice comment for Mark. Uh, Mike is loving you being part of the show. He says, uh, nice to see you on Mark. You've been a great addition.
0: Thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. That's very cool of you to say. Thank you. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Jason's fair Bray Wyatt uh, match was with Cena at WrestleMania 36. Uh, Davis loved Orton and Wyatt. Yeah, you know, there was a there was a lot of cool story elements with that one as well. Um, Jason, um, his
3: yeah, um,
1: you passed our live recording. Make sure you guys leave a comment down below, and if there's comments, we will we'll read a couple of them here on the next episode. Um, so, Jason. Says his was Kamala. So um, oh, I guess the uh, thing is froze. Uh, Jason's was Kamala and Mike's was Boogeyman. So very good picks. Um, before I sign off, uh, let's just do a quick little round of robin. Who is your favorite spooky wrestler? Uh, we're going to start with the man down below, Adam. Who is your favorite spooky wrestler?
2: Man himself, the legend, The Undertaker. So yeah, I watched him debut and I watched him retire. So yes, I, that's by far my favorite. I'm, I'm like Dave, Dave, Gre- uh, Dave LaGreca from busted open. I'm a Mark for Undertaker. You're a Mark
1: for Undertaker. <laughs> what about the biggest Mark in the uh, podcast? Mark, who is,
0: who is your favorite spooky wrestler? So, so yesterday, you know, I, I, I we kind of delved on this yesterday, right? When we were going through the live and, um, I know I had said boogeyman, but, uh, thinking about it, uh, if I'm going to go full all-around character that was great spooky and a great wrestler, I'm going to go with The Fiend. Uh, I have to go with The Fiend. Uh, that's just, I mean, uh, it's almost prison of the moment as well um, because he was you know, probably the most recent one. We could go back on all these uh, older characters and all that stuff. But, um, but yeah, I think The Fiend, just because all the way around, that whole character, everything about it was just awesome. have to go with The Fiend.
1: Very good choice. Uh, Connor, what about you? Goldberg. Uh, yeah,
3: Goldberg. I was going to say Goldberg. He's the creepiest, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he was so creepy that he had so many bad matches. it's so creepy watching his bad matches, you know. And, uh, uh, I, I'm going to have to say uh on Spooky and uh, real-life events to Boogeyman. He's probably the – will never be another Boogeyman. And he introduced a little Boogeyman. I want to meet little Boogeyman. I've met the Boogeyman, but see him together and how he would get on his back and stuff. That was really, really creepy. Uh, I'm going with the Boogeyman. Very good choice. And then um,
1: for myself, you know what? I'm going to say someone different. I'm going to go with Kane.
0: Nice. Um, I,
1: I think Kane for me was just, he was a monster. He had the hate. Um, him attacking Undertaker, ripping the door off Hell in a Cell. <laughs> Very special moment, so I'm gonna go with Kane. Good call. All right, uh, and then Davis. Um, his weird, but Jake Roberts. You know, I didn't think about Jake Roberts, but I
0: agreed. Him and David, It's not weird either. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah It's weird. Man, it's yeah. a good pick. Yeah,
1: it's a good
3: pick. Yeah. Yeah, it's oh, that's, right. a, that's a, definitely
0: that's an honorable mention right there. Very yeah, very, yeah Honorable mention. There
3: spooky, we go. He has some spooky. Uh, Promos in like the middle of the dark outside and stuff, they were kind of spooky.
0: So, and I want to say, uh, I want to do another honorable mention. I know I mentioned her yesterday, did. but Abaddon, I yeah. need more Abaddon. Yes. I love her freaking gimmick, like, she is super terrifying. She needs more. We need to, uh, we need to somehow get uh Tony to get her more on TV because this is ridiculous. I, I, I need my Abaddon yeah. fix, like, she's and I, I she, I'm with you
2: on that, Mark. There was a lot of good female creepy characters. Uh. I Obviously, Daphne was kind of like a male version of Raven. I, yeah. I enjoyed Daphne's character; she was yes. a crazy, kind of kind. Um, I mean, you also got some of the other ones. Now, you, I mean, Jessica Havoc. I mean, she's got that creepy, like the mask that she comes out. It, it's creepy, you know. So, some honorable mentions for some of the female wrestlers too that have creepy characters.
0: Do another one, Connor. Do do another uh, female <laughs> honorable mention.
2: Marina Shafir.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <Hello. laughs> no. Because it's
0: so that, rude. That
2: She's one actually one grown one. on me. I'm sorry, Connor. I know you don't like her. She's grown on me, by the way.
3: So every time she puts she throws the socks out in the crowd, if I was there, I'd throw them back. <laughs> I
0: mean, she, you would do the whole cut when they threw when Cody would throw his belt out there to the ring uh, out there to the audience to <laughs> throw it back. That's you with her socks. I could
3: see. <laughs> I feel like she needs a whole go watch. Uh, the all shake shakeup we did, uh, the book we, we the gimmick shakeup we did with the, uh, yeah. uh, with the AEW, do that to Marina Shavira and I will like her. Do it, that's <laughs> so all you got to do is do that, then people will like her and she probably will become a champion. If you if, if, if you want to see that, go back and watch that. Uh, if they do that, I think she'll be all right. But right now, I don't know what the hell is going on. All <laughs> right. That's
1: gonna do it tonight for uh talking elite. Um, from all of us here at the all elite zone, uh, thank you guys so much uh, for watching. Uh, we have a big interview coming up, uh, with AEW star Brandon Cutler. He will be on, he'll be interviewing on November 11th. So make sure you come on, ask your questions in the comment section. Um, I'm super excited for this interview, he's a great guy. I cannot wait to nerd out with him and talk everything from Dungeons and Dragons, video games, to wrestling. It's going to be a lot of fun. I am super excited. Um, also, don't forget we have a couple interviews that were done um, last couple weeks. We have the Pope uh, go back and watch his interview. That one's a very great interview, great motivational. Um, just It makes you feel good inside as well. Great story, especially from Vince to you know some of his favorite wrestling map matches and moments so go watch that um also don't forget we will be uh we'll be doing watch-alongs weekly um so make sure you guys stay tuned for our socials on when we go live it's just fun shoot the shit type stuff it's a great time um so make sure you guys uh check that out um Connor is there anything you want to add before we sign off
3: there is one more interview uh which we'll probably close the year over the interviews Probably for our two anniversary. Uh I wish I could say who it was, but I don't want to say it did it not happen because this, this person would be the biggest person would have ever had on. And only One person knows who it is. Uh Adam knows who it is.
0: Uh and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be quiet.
3: You now, this person
0: uh I'm gonna be DMing you Adam <laughs> 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 Try to get it out of you. You can give me a quiz on it. I'm just gonna give you the runaround, Mark. I'm just gonna give you the
3: runaround, buddy. All I'm gonna it's say is, this person is uh uh it's hard not giving it away, but I will say one of the biggest wrestlers of all time and he's ball headed. So I'm gonna say maybe it could be Goldberg. I keep on talking about him a lot, so maybe it's Goldberg, I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let's uh, let's stop
1: teasing the crowd. Um, that will be coming up here shortly. Um, okay, we'll Connor, will be making an announcement yeah. on one of our shows. So make sure you stay tuned uh, for that because it's going to be exciting.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, don't forget, we are also having an anniversary show coming up here very shortly as well. Uh, so we are approaching, you know, another year as a group, a podcast, and I cannot wait to see where we go next year. So from all of us here at Talking Lee, we want to say thank you so much for coming out. And that there is nothing left to be said Adam I think it's time you close the show buddy say your famous words and let's send them home buddy
2: in the creepiest way <laughs> and good night <laughs>